Yo, this your boy Miles Mercer, the king of the whole show, and you're watching Toilet Side Wrestling Talk. Tune in. Wrestling Junkies, and welcome to Toilet Side Wrestling Talk. My guest today hails from Brooklyn, New York, and started wrestling in 2013. He trained under Joel Maximo, who was one half of the tag team, the SAT. He's worked for Fighting Spirit Wrestling, Northeast Wrestling, New York Wrestling Connection, Dynasty Pro Wrestling, Evolve, Beyond. He also worked a NXT match against Jackson Riker. He's currently the FSW Heavyweight Champion, since 2015 and we'll learn about that more he's also <laughs> along the way amongst other gold held the dynasty heavyweight championship and the fbw heavyweight championship he's shared the ring with the likes of talon logan black mjf orange cassidy christopher daniels darby allen a kingston and i literally could go on just recently he was ranked number 427 on pwi's annual top 500 list so please help me welcome someone who could probably crush these precious bones <laughs> Just by blinking his eyes, the Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Brad, Hello, that Mike. Quite the introduction. I, I'm not sure if I ever had an introduction like that on a podcast. Oh, I do yeah. my research. I have plenty and of time I, on my hands. I am not. <laughs> so we all have in the last seven months. <laughs> Seriously, um, but yeah. I, I am not just telling you that. That was great. I appreciate you hitting all those things. Oh, sure, of course. Um, okay, FSW Heavyweight Championship. How have you held, how many times have you defended it in five years? So, all right, so the FSW Heavyweight Championship, you, you hit it on the head when you said I was trained on the Joel Maximo, what have the SAT. Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, quick, I'll, I'll run through it quick because it could sure. get long-winded. Um, I started my training in 2011 with the MYWC, which is New York Wrestling Connection, under Alex Reynolds and uh, Tony Nese. So those are my okay. first two trainers. Okay. My finish coach was Joel Maximo at, uh, at the Ludus Wrestling Center in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, during those years, in 2013, when I debuted, he had a company at the time, Fighting Spirit Wrestling, FSW. Okay. Um, I actually held that belt twice. Um, first time I won it was in 2014. Second time was in 2015. Since then, although the SAT is actually in the middle of uh, starting up their comeback campaign for 2021, they Joel stepped away from wrestling for about five, six years to uh, pursue entrepreneurship in his own companies, which he's actually made a successful living off of. Who would have thought you could leave wrestling and you could do something other than <laughs> wrestling? Um, so that's a good thing. So that's what Joel was doing um, at that particular time. So the company shut down. Uh, he stopped running it. So I've had the belt for the last five years, and I've defended it in the last five years zero times. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. So I but you, know how they, you know how they say in wrestling, never say never. So I can imagine Fighting Spirit Wrestling may return one day. You never know. I, well, then, you know what? I, I, if it doesn't, I'm declaring myself number one contender. Not that it affects <laughs> anyone in the world. It's just me at night. I can close my eyes saying, I'm number one contender at FSW belt. <laughs> um, so, like... Over 2017, 18, 19, you worked like a crazy amount of matches. Were you wrestling every single weekend? Yeah, and I, I'm very, I was very fortunate for that. You know, like um, ever since this pandemic kind of happened, um, you know, wrestling itself, it's, it was like an everyday thing that I didn't want to say I took for granted, but it was, I took for a regular, uh, like a regular situation. You know, mm -hmm. I was on the road every day, sometimes Thursday to Sunday. A show sprinkled in on a Wednesday. You know, I was just, it was a full-time job. You know, I, mm -hmm. I thankfully was able to leave um, a regular job at GNC to, to wrestle full-time and make a living off of it. Um, so that was awesome. So I was mm -hmm. very happy with it. 
um, yeah, I just I was very lucky. And then when the pandemic hit back in March, I remember my last show was March 15th and I didn't wrestle for seven months. And it was such a weird, um, you know, reality check where it's like, damn, you know, you're used to literally being on the road so much. And now you're, you're sitting home playing video games and eating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That happened to me because my the the the, the, the um, stay at home order hit my kids then were home, you know, doing homeschool. And now my wife leaves for work and I'm home with the kids all day doing the homeschool. And like, yeah, there's not like a ton to do. There's nothing. You know? and then, like, it's like, like you said, you, you're just so like as a professional wrestler, you're so used to that travel schedule. And it's almost like a, a weird wake up call where it's like, all right, Thursday to Friday can make plans with friends. What? <laughs> you know, that, that was kind of the only cool thing out of all this is that not only did my body like fully rest because uh -huh. Grind, the grind of that schedule really gets you. And I'm sure you've heard that before from a lot of yeah. people that that the wear and tear, it catches up. So I really had, you know, an unintentional seven month vacation for my body to kind of recover and whatnot. And I, I, I was able to kind of escape the wrestling bubble, which is something that really exists, especially in the independent circle sure. uh, circuit and, and enjoy a social life a little bit. I had a, 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 a good summer, you know, mm -hmm. thankfully healthy under the circumstances and, and all right. that. But, you know, I was right. able to kind of you know, get back to, to enjoying a social life, which is a nice, cool, uh, refreshing glass of uh, water. Let's put it that way. So in, in those years where you're working crazy amounts, are you able to have a relationship, like, when you're working that much? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I've, I've had, I've been in a relationship with the same girl for about eight years. So she, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of wild. A lot of people don't know about my personal life. I okay. Like I, I, yes. I definitely like, no, 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 no. We can definitely <laughs> talk about it, man. I promise you, Brad. <laughs> We can definitely talk about it, mm -hmm. um, but it is hard, you know. The early early stages of it for for people that you know may consider being professional wrestlers one day, or wrestlers now that like don't really know them. I kind of like this girl, but I don't know if I can really do it because you know I got to be on the road. It's not easy. It really isn't. You know, it's 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 tough to to balance. You know lovely um you know emotional relationships as well as friendships with people because you're really traveling and it's it's amazing not only from a from a, a relationship with, a, with my, my girlfriend but also my relationship with my friends got a lot better during this situation because i was kind of able to reconnect because that yeah. life isn't, isn't easy it isn't easy you know and it, it's not all bad you know you get to really travel sure. the world you get to see a lot of things you know i i, I did two tours in italy um this year would have been my third um but because of the situation obviously not and i was able to bring her with me so it's, she kind of got a vacation out of it which oh. Oh, that's nice. So there are ways to balance it. It's just a matter of how you balance it. Have you, at, at any point in the relationship, did you ever hear, quote, you're never home, dot, dot, dot? All the time. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It's still going on to this day. She's gotten used to it at this point. So, okay. My so, first job started getting getting, uh, getting booked again. She's like, oh, man, I was just so used to you being around on. <laughs> I might actually enjoy this break myself. I said, yes, you understand now. Totally. Totally. <laughs> So let's go back a little bit. When when you were growing up, uh, were you athletic? Yes, I was a lifelong baseball player. That was always my oh. thing. I, um, to to give you a quick crash course on it, sure. I actually chose uh, professional wrestling over college baseball. Um, I just felt that at you know 18 years old, getting out of getting out of high school or 17, whatever it is, yeah. I was debating. I said, do I want to you know kind of commit to playing ball and kind of giving up my college. I don't want to say giving up my college years because right now I'm, I'm a college baseball coach. So I would never want my oh. guys to do this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but I, I didn't want to like necessarily invest my, my social life of my college life um, into kind of doing something that I really put a hundred percent in during high school. And, you know, I didn't get no D one off or anything. I wasn't going to literally be a professional baseball player. I just, you know, was going to play college hey, ball. Next and level, yeah. 
next level and see what happens from there. If I was a top prospect or a top scouted guy, maybe I'd be this, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation yeah. today. Well, look but at Mike the, Piazza. Like, he was that's, almost that's not my even drafted. Oh, that's okay. my player of all time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Player. I hear that but all the time. you never know. Yeah, it's true. 62nd, what was he? 162nd draft? Yeah, it's like a favor, I think. Yeah, I'm a Lasorda, yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yes, you never know. Yeah. Um, but I got to that point and I said, you know what? My, uh, my pa baseball became to start to feel like a job and wrestling um, became a passion again. You know, when you're a kid, you love wrestling and then you sure. reach that stage where you're like, eh, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And people make fun of me. Now yeah. wrestling's cool, well, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I reached that point. I remember it was after prom in um of my senior year and things are getting wild as you can imagine i'll yeah. keep it like that you know totally. and for some reason doing you know a nice drunken tirade me and my friends just started talking about wrestling and how great it was being a 90s guy a 90s kid growing up in the attitude era with the monday uh -huh. night wars and dx and nwo and stone cold steve austin is prime and i just started getting that itch and i was like damn like i want to do this i want to be a wrestler and you know that was it that was my choice i said let me let me decline college baseball and let me let me try doing this. And then I kind of started doing my research. I started going to the gym full time. Mm -hmm. um, I, got, I got a job as a high school baseball coach at my high school. So that was really oh, my perfect. deal. Yeah, I kind of turned around and said, all right, this is this is it. This is a gift from heaven. Someone's telling me, go pursue this thing. Trust your gut, go pursue this thing. So that's where I am today. So to, to answer your question in short, well, that was <laughs> long. Uh, I was always an athlete, thank God. And how did this go over at home? like saying, I'm not going to pursue, you know, going on to college and play baseball. I want to do wrestling. And I thought about it when I was drunk, you know, like last week, <laughs> you know, were your parents uh, no. okay with it? No, no, okay. no, no, <laughs> no. And my grandparents were not at the time when they were alive. They were not okay with it. It was, some, you know, people look at, people look at pro wrestling and they, they know the risk behind it. You know, like it was never a thing of, oh, don't do that phony shit. It was never that it was, it was, this can hurt you. You sure mm -hmm. you want to give up all these these possibilities, a real job, as they say, you know, you, you're going to college to get a degree. You sure you want to give it all up for wrestling? Like, yeah, I did. I did. And it took a little bit of while. It took a little bit of time to really get them to soften up on it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it's kind of cool now because I, you know, I, I'll, I'll see sometimes my dad's like just sneakily watching Raw, SmackDown or AEW. <laughs> he sees a lot of the guys I've wrestled on the TV. And it's like, yeah. to me, that that's my way of saying like, okay, he accepts what I do now. You know, like he really enjoys it. My mom still can't sit through a match, but she understands it too. Yeah, that was interesting. Yes, is she like just like nervous that like you're gonna get hurt and she can't sit there and watch you get like slammed I, or you know? She cringes at everything. She sees uh, a headline opening the opening seconds and all of a sudden she's turning her head. So Jesus. she's one of the she's one of those Italian moms. Okay, so <laughs> I want to become a wrestler. What's how did you find your your first trainer? So the great the great story about that, it was about 2011. So once I decided not to play in 2010, I took a year to start building my body because I always mm -hmm. uh, one advice I always gave to every single um, up and coming guys. I said, make sure you're mentally and physically prepared to get into the business mentally from a standpoint that I realize there's going to be a lot you're sacrificing social life relationships. Just like we were talking about mm -hmm. a lot of real jobs, um, you know, potential opportunities outside the ring that you're going to give away. Um, that's one thing. Second thing is, is make sure that you're physically able to endure this lifestyle. I'm not saying that you have to be this jacked up behemoth like super athlete you just need to be physically prepared to give your body a beating that is not it's not normal what yeah. we do is not not um so um i did that for a year and then i uh i this is when just zach Ryder's uh, internet show was popular as hell uh -huh. so he he trained at mywc 
and uh, he was from Long Island, as everyone knows. And I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm about an hour away, give or take. And I started seeing these um, these vignettes that he was putting on his YouTube channel. And one of the reoccurring characters that were on these vignettes was a guy by the name of Big O. Big O was one of his buddies. This was the big, big Jack guy that would always kind of have cameos in, in these little vignettes. And I went to Raw at Nassau Coliseum that same summer. And I saw Big O, I met Big O in the, in the hallways. And we took a picture together and we started talking. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm training to do this too. I'm going to try to seize the opportunity with Zach's uh, YouTube show. So I started training at NYWC. And I said, where's that? And then he gave me the information of the school. And then that Tuesday, I signed up. So that was kind of like another another little like, wow, this is kind of like, this is all pointing in the right direction. Because back in 2013, uh, 2011, I don't want to sound like it was a caveman era, mm -hmm. but things weren't as accessible as they are today. You know, Twitter yeah. was just popular. Um, you know, even Google, from a Google standpoint, like especially pro wrestling schools. I remember as a kid, you know, I might I might have started now. People are starting to train at 15 years old. That could mm -hmm. have been me. People might have never been a thing if I knew this was possible. You yeah. know, so that was like my way, my my sign. Someone was basically saying, "Hey, this exists. This is a real opportunity you can do. You can go out there and you could be a pro wrestler." So that was something I jumped on right away. I said, "Let me give it a shot." And I remember meeting Tony Nice. He was just getting. He was in the office. The office was cold. The whole warehouse was cold. <laughs> office was just so unorganized and he's like sure you want to do this man i was like yep he's like all right welcome to class and then that that began my journey the unfortunate thing how i how i ended up connecting with well good thing but also a fortune at the time how i started getting connected with joel maxima was um about nine months to a year into my training i got offered a, a really good job at gnc i was with them for about eight years uh even into my career balance it somehow mm -hmm. um 18 at the time so i was really young and i was offered a really good job as a manager and deer park from where i'm at is about like i said an hour to an hour and a half sometimes two hours in traffic and they used wow. to train on Tuesday nights so you could imagine new york city traffic on a tuesday oh my brutal. god brutal so <laughs> i was off i wasn't able to balance the two of them so i actually had to step away um from training and it was one of the hardest decisions i made because i said wow there goes my you know i gave away baseball for this and now i have to stop it because i'm making good money as an 18 yeah you know, so it's it was hard really for an 18 year old to make that decision. Oh, you don't know. And especially at that age of making some good money, you're like, oh, maybe this, maybe this is my sign. If I'm going by all the things of the world. Yeah. You know, um, but then I went to Money in the Bank, uh, maybe 2012. I think I was out of the business for about a year. I stopped training. Okay. Uh, and I saw the Shield versus the Usos and the electricity in the ring. The excitement of that match made me say, all right. It's time to go back. This is what I need. To wow. I, you know, I keep using the reoccurring theme of signs. But uh -huh. like I getting signs thrown at me like, let's do this. Let's do this. What are you doing? You know, I have this tattoo on my arm called the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. I don't oh, know if you yeah. can see it like that. No, it's, it's, the it's good. Thing. Yeah, thank you. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And I felt like someone was saying, like, don't give up on this. Don't give up on this. You know, do this, do this. It will open doors. So right from then and there, I uh, I called back NYWC and I said, look, how can we make this work? I can't I can't quit my job because I got to pay you for tuition. So I can't pay quit my job. How can we make this work? At that time, open schedule. So I went to my gym and I'm working out and my girlfriend who worked at the gym at that time said, hey, do you know there's this guy in here called Talent and he's a wrestler. And I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, yeah, he's a wrestler. He was he was the trainer. He was one of the trainers at the gym. And I said, damn, like, let him know <laughs> one day. And she's like, you know, my boyfriend is uh, a wrestler and he's looking to kind of get back into it. And Talon responded, he's not like me. He's not a, I mean, he, that Matt stuff, that Matt wrestling is really good, but it's not the wrestling I do. And so he turned around, 
no, it's the wrestling you do. And I said, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So he actually hooked me up with Joel shortly after. And it was, uh, it was where I, it's the reason why I'm right now where I am today. Thank God. Oh my God. So from, from when you met, uh, Joel to your first match, how much time is that in between? Beautiful thing about NYWC was, is they gave me the foundation. Alex Reynolds and Tony Nese, when it comes to basic training, when it comes to training in general, they gave me every single pillar of a house to make sure that I can go get trained by someone like the SAT, who mm -hmm. are just, they, they're innovative, they're crazy. Yeah. They throw, you know what I'm saying? So if I didn't have those, I would have had a whole nother year of training. But because I had all those fundamentals pounded into me, I got in there, he saw I can bump, he saw I can chain wrestle, he saw I can move, he saw I could do some spots. And then he said, okay, now it's time to get crazy. Joel trained me from April, um, excuse me, from August, and my first match was October. So oh, wow. He, yeah, so he crash course trained me for about two months straight. I had my debut match October 13, 2013, a couple of days ago. I celebrated year seven as an active wow. wrestler, which was cool. Congratulations. Um, that is amazing. It really time flies by because <laughs> I just like that everything I feel like happens for a reason. And I was just, I was paired up with the right people at the right time. And, and the career is just, it's going good. You know, it's open. So being a professional wrestler has opened so many doors for me in entertainment mm -hmm. that I would be an actor. I don't think I would have done commercials or movies if I was not a wrestler. I really, I really mean that. That's amazing. It's, it's, I love hearing stories about how it's like changed people's like, uh, life outside of the ring, you know, for, for the for the better, um, especially when you hear all these crazy, you know, the uh, dark side of the ring stuff. Like, it's nice hearing like these good stories. So did he tell you you're ready for your first match or do you say, hey, I think I'm ready for my first match? A little bit of both because, okay. you know, a good trainer can definitely tell um, when one of their students are, are prepared enough to get to get in the ring and, and really have a match because I remember now like I can I can put together a match with my eyes closed now but back mm -hmm. then I and the I didn't understand how it worked you know what I'm saying like I, it's it's hard I remember in MYWC when I first started it was hard for me then like I remember we were doing drills and I I for some reason I couldn't piece together the idea of getting beat up and not coming right back up because if I was in a real fight, if you're gonna knock me yeah. down, I'm gonna back up. And it was just so hard to grasp that that flow, that dance of pro wrestling. And Joel was able to see, like, you got it, you got it. Just be confident, you know. And he was teaching me things that I didn't think I would ever be able to do, you know, mm -hmm. high spots off the top rope, hurricane runners, and I was just picking it up. And once you get that confidence boost of stuff that you didn't think you can do, and all of a sudden you're doing it, mm -hmm. then you turn around and say, okay, maybe I am ready. So I'll let you in behind the curtain. The first match I ever had was choreographed from start to finish. Oh, Macho really? Man. Yeah. Macho Man Steamboat style, literally choreographing start to finish. And that helped me. But I realized as time went on, it wasn't going to be like that. You know, you have to learn. But, you yeah. know, be, be, being in shape, being able to, to, to you know, successfully execute moves and, and spots in a match itself. And mind you, I cringed when I watched my first match because it's <laughs> I, it's brutal. But I was able to get it done. I was able yeah, to get it you, done. you wrestled a professional wrestling match. Like, there you go. You know, I was able to get it done. So I think it was a little bit of both of us. If it wasn't him saying, you're ready. I don't know if I would have been able to say I'm ready because, you know, to this day, I, I I know I could put a match together very easily now, but to this day, you're always learning in wrestling. You know, I think Ric Flair said the day you stop learning is the day you hang up your boots, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So are you always like thinking about adding new like moves to your like arsenal or you're thinking about other stuff at this point and then occasionally you'll bring something up? You, you know, it, it's, it's weird. Like wrestling, 
when it occupies you as much as it did before mm-hmm. pandemic, you kind of lose, I don't want to say you lose the creativity because you always have to be creative. You always have to be yeah. innovative and coming up with new things to keep yourself fresh. But what I always remember when you're younger in, the, in your career, you're always like, I want to do this, I want to do that. The more advanced you get in your career, you lose the idea of creativity and you do more, more creativity with moves and you mm-hmm. become more creative in the ring with your matches and your storytelling. And again, I don't want to get too off topic, but I feel like storytelling is always going to be something in this era of wrestling that is missing to an extent. You know, it's not necessarily gone, but it's, it is something that's missing from back in the day and the stuff that really made me a fan. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm one of those those wrestlers that really, you know, I can I can do high spots. I can do lucha. I can fly. I can beat you up. I can do power stuff. I want you to be invested in me. You know, what's what's helped me in my career over the last seven years is I was able to be a baby face that people actually liked. Yeah, yeah. It didn't turn I, I think that's super hard in wrestling these days for you to be a baby face that is actually liked. Oh, for sure. And for that long of a time period. Yeah. You know, I mean, if that was I, I WWE, they, they, you would have turned so many times, you know, in that period. And not only that, but if I had the same character that I have on the indies in WWE, I would get the John Cena treatment, the Roman Reigns treatment, where it's like, we want you to be this guy. We want you to be Superman, but they don't want to see that. Totally. So I I, I really pride myself on being, that's to me is one of my biggest career accomplishments is being able to, you know, stay as a successful baby face and really, you know, have the fans engaged, involved, invested, really like you. And and that's what it comes down to. A lot of, a lot of my storytelling is is based on reality. You know, Mm -hmm. I I want you to believe in what I am, believe in my character, believe on what I'm trying to show you. And, and, And if you want to cheer for me, that's, that's, that I did my job right, you know? Yeah, totally. Did, so like, what about like uh, cutting promos? Like when do you start thinking about that during your training? Like, or is that part of the training? It's definitely part of the training. And I suggest okay. like for any up and coming wrestlers, when they go to a school mm-hmm. that um, will teach them the fundamentals of wrestling, being part of a promo class in that school is essential. You need to learn how to basically um, learn the gift of gab quick. Like uh-huh. if you don't have that natural charisma or that natural vernacular and you're able to talk a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard because a lot of people, you know, they can do a million and one things in the ring, but they can't have that personality on camera. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that you need to be taught. And it's funny because as I transitioned into acting as well, because I, I was an athlete, like I told you, I never yeah. thought acting or theater would ever be anything <laughs> I'm into. I would never have done it. And um, re- being a professional wrestler is a, sor- is a source of theater. You know, um, one of sure. my acting coaches, Chaz Palminteri, he said to me, one of the purest forms of theater is professional wrestling. And I, when I heard that, I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, one of the purest forms of theater left is professional wrestling. It's a live show that is unlike anything else. So to me, you know, when I got into acting, it's because of my promo ability and my promo like mm-hmm. skills and, and all that that it became relatively easy. And acting's not easy, but you know, it helps. It helped me being a pro wrestler help with that. So I mean, when it comes to promos, it's it's I now that I'm more comfortable as an actor where mm-hmm. I can kind of know how to be a character or do certain things, sure. I like to add with my promos. I don't like to really think so much about scripting them because mm-hmm. I think I think um, that's the biggest problem with wrestling, the scripted promo. Yeah, so I yeah. Never want, I, you know, so I never want to turn around and say, okay, I'm wrestling this guy for this show next month. They want me to cut a promo. I'm not going to go on my phone and write like a, you know, a minute long monologue. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Say, what are the points? Put the camera on and I'm going to try to channel that improvisation and, and really like try to do it from the from the heart at that particular time. So like, early on, did you have to spend like a lot of time in like front of your mirror? You know, like early on. A lot of my early career was right where I am right now. In my car, car, radio off, cutting a promo to myself. A lot of people say do it in a mirror, but 
as good as that is, it's a great, great method. I just feel like if you're driving and I, I forget who tell, told me this, but it was someone at NYWC that said, when you're driving, every time you get to a stoplight, that is your cue to, if it's a 30 second stoplight or a minute stoplight, uh-huh. you get to the stoplight, it's red, start cutting your promo. Once it turns green, you gotta be done. Oh, what a great idea. It was cool. It really, really helped a lot. So I would be driving and I'd say, okay, I timed the first light. I say, okay, this this avenue it's about thirty second light. You yeah. get there, you approach the next light. You know, you got thirty seconds. <laughs> Not thinking anything. Once you get there, start cutting your promo. Try to get it before the light turns green. And That's I thought that was awesome. Such a cool little thing that really helped with that. So I did a lot of my promo talk in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was always my thing. I really, I don't want to sound like. Um, like egotistical on this, but I really, I never practiced promo so much because I was able to kind of, kind of get it quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Quick. It's and, like once and, you and get I, it, it's, you know, you don't lose totally, that. Totally. The hardest thing about promos, I would say, is um, the, having the ability to find yourself when you're cutting a promo. I think that's a big problem a lot of wrestlers have these days, is they, not it's not like wrestlers are cutting like, let me tell you something, brother, those <laughs> days are over. You know, yeah. Unless your character calls for it. Like Warhorse, for example, has made a tremendous living, a tremendous character by by adapting that as his style, mm-hmm. which works for him. Oh, but for someone sure. like me, it's not gonna work for me. So I have to be able to look myself in the mirror or the car window for that matter <laughs> and say, what What would Mike Vernon, how would he cut the promo? What would it be his thing, you know? So I think that's a big thing is that people, you know, need to believe in themselves when they're cutting their promo in order for it to, to get over the way it needs to get over. It sounds like confident and... For sure, for sure. All right, I am gonna let you go shortly, very shortly, but uh, I'm gonna ask you five random yes or no questions. a little odd maybe not um and you if you don't want to say anything beyond yes or no that's fine uh most people don't <laughs> let's do it fine. let's do it this has been right. fun so far Brad, all right good that. for twenty-two thousand dollars a year would you let me flip through the pages of aarp magazine and find someone random for you to marry so figure they're like 75 you don't have to invest a terrible amount of time I'm, I'm gonna give you a hard no for twenty-two thousand dollars a year. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, have you ever do that, thre- with, do that? Do that with Maxim though, and we'll talk. <laughs> totally. <laughs> have you ever threatened harm on someone's pet? Oh. Hmm. I want to say no, but I have to say yes. Yeah, I think I did once. <laughs> have you ever been on a train when it's hit someone? No. In my dreams. Okay. Oh. Good <laughs> All right. Would you ever raise? Do you have children? No, okay. I have a nephew, a one-year-old nephew. Okay, if you do have children one day, would you ever raise him or her in a religion different than yours? No, but I would be okay with it if they decided they needed to do it. Yes, because there's this Catholic school by where I lived, and it was really good. And I'm not Catholic, I'm Jewish. And, but I said to my wife, like, what if we just raise them Catholic and then go to this great school? All right. I don't believe this is medically possible, but have you ever even thought about or dreamed about um, taking the Man of Steel um, a step further and having the surgery that Wolverine had um, in X-Men on his uh, skeleton, uh, the adamantium? Here's the closest I'm gonna get to it. I'm actually adding my final tattoo to my arm and I am putting the M on it. So that's the closest I'll get to it. Okay, okay, awesome. So we're getting there, we're getting there. The question yeah. wasn't so, so random as you thought. Oh, nice, <laughs> finally. Um, 
Thank Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. This was this was great, and I, I really uh, am grateful that you gave me this time. Um, of course, I would love to have you on again because there's a ton more we can talk about. Well, I'll be honest with you. I would love to be back on again. Awesome. I had, I, I had a blast talking with you, Brad. I All really right, good. Did. So did I. Um, Mike, take care and be safe and tend to your girlfriend when necessary. You know, <laughs> like the little tweaks here and there, so you can get out. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. You too, Brad. You're All the right. man, bro. Take care. You too.